Good morning. I hope you're having a fine Sunday morning. Welcome back to another edition today of Miami Valley Voices on this Cox radio station. As usual, I'm your host, Ron Rollins from the Dayton Daily News, and uh, we're in the studio uh, this morning with uh, somebody that I met at a recent Dayton Rotary meeting who was giving a presentation about her, um, her, her, her organization and project. It's Laura Mlazowski, the executive director of Project Read. How are you doing? Doing fine. And Thanks, Ron. I said the name right? You did. You Excellent. got it. Excellent. And um, so now... Um, Tell people about Project Read and and the very specific. You're not a regular literacy program. You have a very specific uh, mission and a very specific target audience that you aim at. Uh, get us started. Tell us about it. Sure. Well, Project Read, we're really a literacy coalition. So we bring together lots of programs that are all united in a mission of, of improving the reading skills and the literacy skills of adults and children in the mm-hmm. Dayton area. Mm-hmm. So it's not just one particular program that we represent. We really bring together a majority of programs in the right. Dayton area. Right. So uh, we work with about 50 different schools mm-hmm. where we will recruit and train tutors and place them into schools so that they can work with children who are struggling to learn to read. Um, They can be tutors once a week in these schools. Um, And then we also have tutors that we recruit and train, and we'll place them uh, with adults Mm -hmm. who might be learning to read. Believe it or not, there's a lot more of them out there than you might think that struggle with reading, that are reading below a sixth grade level, and they're just not really able to do everything in society. You know, they might struggle to read a job application or to read a prescription bottle, that type of thing. What's considered quote-unquote, uh, air quotes here, illiterate in terms of, or non-reading in, in our society. I've heard it third grade, I've heard it sixth grade. What is, what is, I, is there a benchmark or does that even matter, really? You know, I, I don't really use the term illiterate okay. ever, All right. to that's be fine. honest. And Good. I, I'm not going to hold that against you, Ron, for using Thank it. Thank you but very <laughs> much. <yeah. laughs> um, Child of the 70s, that's what we call it. That's then, exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that's what it is, is in our country, there's very few people who are truly illiterate. Okay. You know, illiterate is, you can't read and write it at right. all. At all. Okay. And well, very few, okay. unless you have severe learning disability are right. going to really struggle with that type of issue. Right. So now overseas, you will find that some in, you know, underdeveloped countries and right. things like that. You will have true illiterate people. Right. But in the United States of America, it's very rare. Well, no, we that's, talk that, about that, functional literacy. Functional literacy. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting distinction that I guess I really haven't heard before. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. So functional literacy then would be the, as you put it a minute ago, uh, a reading level that's appropriate to what you need to get through your day. Exactly. And basically be functioning. Okay. Exactly. And for us, that's sixth grade. Okay. If you can read a sixth grade level. You can read a job application. You can read a bus schedule. You can read uh, the prescription bottle and right. figure out how you're supposed to take your pills. Right. If right. you can do all those things, you are functionally literate. Okay. You, know, right. you may not be at the tops of your profession, but right. at least you can get around day to day. Right. You're probably not, not reading you're not reading Joyce, but you're probably right. getting by. Okay, exactly. Great. Well, um, and what percentage of the population are we talking about in that range? Believe it or not, there's about 34% of Americans are at or below the sixth grade level. That's interesting. Now, what are the causes there? Is it poverty-based? It's not, is it? That it, cuts across it, all... It cuts across everything. Yeah. But as you might imagine, you know, people who are in this situation, mm-hmm. they are going to be living in poverty most sure. of the time because they're struggling to get jobs. Right. They're struggling to get through the day. Um, so it's often... Some Something that's hidden. You know, most people don't admit to their family, their friends, to anybody that they're struggling with their reading skills. What sorts of kind? And well, I assume too that they become pretty good at hiding it after oh, a while. Oh, absolutely. Do spouses help with that? I mean, is there kind of an empowering, sometimes enabling kind of thing that goes on there? Sometimes, yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll see often. You know, we'll hear stories about you know a cook at a restaurant who struggles with reading. Well, they've memorized all the recipes, but if they right. introduce a new recipe, then they say, "Oh, I forgot my reading glasses." today. Would right. you read that for okay. me? You know, um, people who leave for work 
super early because mm-hmm. if there's a detour, they can't read the signs to be able right. to know how to get around. So there's lots of different ways they do it. But yes, it, a lot of times they will have maybe some one person, one right. confidant, and often it's a spouse or right. somebody like that, that they will that will know of their problem and they will kind of translate the world for them, so to speak. And I think there's a presumption by most of us that the person you're dealing with can read. Mm-hmm. That's the, the the default. And and if you see somebody carrying a copy of the Wall Street Journal around, you assume that there, there'd be all kinds of ways to mask this, I guess. Absolutely. And um, so, um, with pro- relate back to Project Read, what what percentage of, of adult clients versus um, uh, children do you does does your organization handle? Uh, it's it's relatively mm-hmm. even. I mean, we mm-hmm. really work with more more students uh, in schools, okay. just because I think it's the greater knowledge. Everybody sure. knows about that issue. So mm-hmm. we tutored about six hundred kids last year okay. um, in local schools, whereas we have about a hundred adults that we serve that are getting one on one tutoring for reading mm-hmm. or English as a second language. Okay. Um, and but we have also have a helpline where we connect adults with free GED reading and ESOL classes. Okay. So, so we serve an additional number of adults through that program. Okay. And you guys pretty much are the main literacy program in Montgomery County at this point, right? I mean... Uh, yes. But again, we are not a typical program. Right. We don't offer a lot of direct services. Right. We do the tutoring um, for both adults and youth. Right. But it, for the GED classes, for instance, those are actually run by our partners, like okay. Miami Valley Career Technology Center and right. the Kettering City Schools and other programs there was uh, that the, will run those. Was it the Miami Valley Literacy Council that went under yes. because of funding a few years ago? It was about seven or eight years ago yes unfortunately Um, has any organization kind of risen up to take the fill the the need that they left we did for for a good part um you know that the one-on-one tutoring program for adults is Mm -hmm. the program that they ran for decades i mean 40 some years that they ran that program and when they closed before they closed they transferred that program over to us because Mm -hmm. that was the one program that was totally unduplicated in our community Mm -hmm. and if it died with the Literacy Council, it would die for our community, and mm-hmm. we didn't want to see that happen. Right. So they they transferred it over to us, and actually some of the tutors that used to work with the Literacy Council are still active with us today. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And are you, do you work outside of the Montgomery County boundary into the other counties, or, or are you mostly Montgomery County? We're boundary? Montgomery Green and Preble counties, okay. so the Miami Valley okay. in general. Now, your business card has Sinclair Community College on it. What's the affiliation with Sinclair? We are based at Sinclair. Okay. They are our fiscal agent, the Sinclair mm-hmm. Community College Foundation is, mm-hmm. um, but but uh, we're not officially affiliated in terms of we're not a Sinclair program, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are very generous to us to give office space and give us the opportunity to uh, be there on campus, mm-hmm. give us a ton of in-kind support. We don't have to pay for our office and our computers and all that kind of things. And it's actually a terrific location for us because sure. we get a lot of adults who may not have their high school diploma or GED who right. want to enter Sinclair. Right. And instead, they'll say, well, go, pro- go talk to Project Read. Mm-hmm. You can get connected with a GED class, get your basic skills taken care of, and then come back and, and be a student at Sinclair, you're going to have a better opportunity for success. Right. What's well, mission-centric for them, too. Absolutely. And also, too, I mean, uh, there's, I mean, you, you, you hear a lot about students who arrive at college kind of unprepared these days in terms of uh, sort of the, the rudiments of their, of their abilities. Um, so um, at Rotary, you talked a lot about the um, summer, uh, over-the-summer reading program uh, for students. Students uh, and uh, in which they're not in school and they fall behind in their in their reading skills. Uh, talk about that. Sure, uh, that's really called the Read On program, mm-hmm. and I, Project Read myself are a committee member um, on that on that group, and. 
we really it really started a few years ago in large part because the research was telling us that low-income students in particular lost a lot of learning over the summer as much as two and a half months um, they regressed over the summer oh before they would get to the next year and because they didn't have an access to books and right. often they weren't involved in educational experiences over the summer that maybe a middle-income student might be able right. to enjoy so we got into trying to collect books so that these students can uh, have opportunities to read over the summer. Just having the opportunity to pick up a book that's mm-hmm. your very own mm-hmm. and practice can make a huge difference. We know 10 or 20 minutes a day mm-hmm. can make a tremendous m- amount of difference in your literacy skills. And does it matter what you're reading necessarily? I mean, no. Okay. And, and in fact, it's it's actually better if the child selects what they get. Right. So what we started doing is collecting books so that um, children in select schools, and usually we worked with 10 or 12 schools a year, mm-hmm. uh, mostly in, well, all in low poverty uh, districts or high poverty districts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dayton Public Schools, Trotwood, Northridge, those Mm -hmm, kind of mm -hmm. areas. Um, And we've collected enough books so that each child in kindergarten through third grade in those schools could take 10 books home to read for the 10 10 weeks of summer. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's great. Um, And we have gone over and above our goal every year. I think the first goal was 5,000 books, and we got Mm -hmm. way beyond that. This year, our goal was 25,000 books, and we just got the new numbers, and I believe it was 27,000 books that we've collected, most which are brand new. Oh, that's cool. Is there a grade you focus on? It's K through three. We're really looking at that learning to read period, because we know know, up until third grade is when they're learning to read. From fourth grade on, they're reading to learn. So if you don't have those basic skills in third grade, it just starts impacting all the other subjects areas from then on. Right, right. Um, so how old is that program? How long has that been going on? I believe that's been going for four years. Okay. So this is the fourth year and it's been tremendously successful. What's some of the history of the Project Read? How old is, is the actual organization itself? Project Read, we've been around since 1988. Okay. So uh, we've been around for a number of years. It actually started, there was kind of a program nationwide that was really looking at adult literacy and how it was kind of an overlooked issue in our country. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, of these literacy coalitions mm-hmm. popped up around the country right. because it was a way to try to gather the resource, the few resources that we had working on that area and focus them in a better way. Mm-hmm. At the time we started, there were literacy programs on the same block that didn't even know the other existed uh, because they, they just hmm. weren't talking to each other. Right. There was no avenue for that. Right. So Project Read came and we started gathering groups together. We would, For a long time, we had most monthly coalition meetings where mm-hmm. we'd bring the partners together. They'd talk about the issues mm-hmm. of the day. You know, They might share information. You know, I've got the student who's hearing impaired. Mm-hmm. Anybody have resources for that? And then, you know, they would connect with one another so that they could better serve all the varied number of people that they have. How much of how much of what you do? You mentioned English as English as a second language as part of what you do. How how much is that uh, part of, of of the work? I guess I'm asking from the point of view of Dayton's not a heavy duty large immigrant community in this the way a lot of others especially in the south would be i guess but but there's definitely an immigrant population here especially tied in with the welcome date and plan and all that so talk about that a little bit absolutely yeah i mean it's really been growing um you know we've got more immigrants here than you probably think um, not more than i think i mean i i, I, th- I think it's a i think it's a pretty big and fairly underserved community in Absolutely. a lot of ways and I'm always actually I'm always kind of like nudging our staff to like we should go chase that story a little more but mm-hmm. yeah um, but continue I'm sorry yeah no that's fine yeah I mean I would say probably about 30 to 40 percent of the adults that we serve with one-on-one tutoring are actually English English learning right. to English I should right, say right. Um, rather than learning to read yeah. so mm-hmm. you know it's a, it's a large number but what we find a lot with the immigrant population is that 
Sometimes they like to stick together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have a large population of a Hiskin Turk mm-hmm. population that's kind of in the old North Dayton area. Right. And, um, and they speak Russian, right? They don't yes. speak Turkish. They speak Russian. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's really a part of Russia. Yeah. Um, and we, we'll have some of them come through, but they kind of have their own community center and they kind of stick together, right. you know, and they kind of have their own network of resources, which is fine. Um, but that's pretty typical of an immigrant population. Right. That, you know, they kind of band together and figure out their own way. Right. And then sometimes they'll reach out. To, to the community organizations. I keep I keep resolving to have, uh, oh, what's his name, Islam Sekbandrov, I think, from the uh, Turkish Community Center mm-hmm. uh, on the show, because he's an interesting guy, and I haven't seen him in a while, but um, uh, for folks who don't know that, their community center is right across from Stivers High School yeah. over on 5th Street, and it was the old, was the old Bomberger Center or something? Yes. The city donated so. to them, and if you walk in there, they turned it into a show place. There's like marble floors and everything. It's a beautiful building. And um, yeah, he'd, he would be an interesting, an interesting guest. I'm um, sure he would be. How many how many uh, people from the Hispanic community are, are, are part of the program that you're serving? A fair number. I uh-huh. mean, that's also a, a number or a group that is really well involved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd say probably of the people that we were to, that we tutor, probably sixty percent would be Hispanic. Mm-hmm. But we get a lot of Middle Eastern families, African families. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole get. Yeah. I mean, just anywhere. Put a, right. put a pin on a map. I think it was interesting. Um, one of my coworkers also teaches ESOL. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a while, she had a South Korean and a North Korean in the same class. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if there were fireworks, but. Um, I wish I'd been there. Yeah, I oh, know. I always wanted to hear more about that. But I think one of them now has left the pro- program. So, you know, we don't know what that's happened. That's really there. But I think it's interesting that they, you know, had to coexist in the same, same room. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very interesting. Um, we should tell people what they're listening to if they're just tuning in. If you are, just tuning in. Welcome. Have you, hope you're having a happy Sunday morning. This is Miami Valley Voices on this Cox Radio Station. I'm your host, Ron Rollins, and we are in the studio with uh, a new friend, Laura Mlazowski, Executive Director of the of Project Read, based at Sinclair Community College and working to um, help uh, raise reading skills for adults and children uh, throughout the area. Um, when... when, um, when when you're talking about, obviously, if somebody comes over as an immigrant and they want to learn English, they want to assimilate and all that stuff. So that's a certain kind of situation over there. If you're talking about somebody who has um, gotten into adulthood not being functionally able to read, um, they know they have a problem, whether it's dyslexia or whatever has caused it. Um, what sorts of things do you find they have to sort of what gets them in to see you, um, typically? Or maybe it's not typically, just anecdotally. What, what gets them in to see you? I mean, is it sort of like, is it sort of like a 12-step thing where like, I know I have a problem, I have to recognize it, now I go do something about it? Or is it, what, what, what gets people to your door? Oh, it can be that kind of process, but I'll tell you there's a few triggers that, that we tend to hear. Mm-hmm. First is they want to read to their children or grandchildren, oh, and they can't. that makes me sad. It is, yeah. it, you know, it is. And, often, and more often than not, it's grandchildren, yeah. believe it or not. That's it's like they got through the first, you got, they got through their own I children. I faked it with my kids. I right. faked it with mm-hmm. my kids, but I don't want to fake it with my grandkids. Right. I, want, I want to read to them. That's I want them to sit on my lap and, and share a book together. Right. That's a big one. And the other one is, honestly, reading the Bible. You know, really? They'll say, you know, I, I'm... A religious person. Right. I want to be able to read the word for myself. That's really and interesting. It's another big trigger. Those are the two big ones that we hear most often. So, um, is there a common uh, is there a common um, uh, method uh, methodology that's used um, for people who are trying to 
who, who come to you, or is there like a sort of a, a, a number of different kinds of curricula and styles uh, that gets them where they need to be, or how's it done? I mean, what what do you, what, what happens actually in the classroom? Well, what we do. I guess um, I'm asking as, a re- as as somebody who's been reading since I was like three, right? You know, and reads all the time. It's all, it's hard to imagine starting this late and how you would even get started because it is kind of like cracking a code Mm -hmm. and if you haven't cracked it I I, I almost am at a loss to understand how that would feel or where you would get started now yeah it's difficult it's difficult and there are different curriculums that you can use Mm -hmm. Um, for us what we do is because we we rely on volunteers for a lot of our services Mm -hmm. we bring the volunteers in and we train them for the adult literacy program it's about a six hour training so Mm -hmm. they go through a lot of training on you know how to work with the students how to address the different literacy issues, how to teach literacy, mm-hmm. you know, how to teach reading, mm-hmm. uh, and then going through you know, just how to keep them motivated and into it. Because sometimes it, it's really hard. You've gotten to the point where you're ready to admit, I've got a problem here, I need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to sit next to somebody and struggle through a text. Um, so you gotta keep them kind of motivated with it. But and I assume people do it lots I, of different ways. Right, I assume there's embarrassment as well. I mean, oh, absolutely, yeah, right. absolutely. You know, we had um, a gentleman who signed up to be a learner, you know, mm. we call them learners. Okay. Um, I should have asked what your nomenclature yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, so um, he works at Sinclair. Mm. Um, and we noticed him. He kept walking by our office and just like peeking in. Aww. And he did that for maybe two weeks where we'd see him once or twice a week just yeah. peeking in the door before he came in. Aww. Because I think he wanted to check us out and make sure we're nice. Right. <laughs> make sure <laughs> we're not important. judging right. him. Right. We're right. not. He's not going to feel embarrassed. Right. And he finally came in and said, you know what? I can I can barely read and I just need some help. And we set him up with a tutor like wow. that. You know, I mean, it, it was... It's a matter of just being able to get up the gumption to right. be able to say, I've got a problem. Right. Now, of course, it doesn't always happen that way because right. we need more tutors. Um, I was going to ask about tutors, and, and um, how hard are they to come by? Sometimes easier than others. Yeah. Is <laughs> there know? anything you need to be a tutor other than the ability to read and, and patience? Those are the two big things. Yeah. And and some time to invest in, in training, of course. Mm-hmm. But the training's free. We don't charge anything for that. You don't have to mm-hmm. buy materials, anything like that. And then we work with the tutors in order to link them with a student that hopefully is geographically close and, of course, available at a similar time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times it's a matter of just being able to link the right person with the right learner. Right. Um, because that, that match is really important to make sure that it's going to work. And we listen to our tutors. Sometimes they'll tell us, you know, I like to work with a higher level learner or I like to work with an ESOL student, that's mm-hmm. English for Speakers of sure. Other Languages student, um, you know, and, and we try to always meet the needs of the tutor because otherwise they're not going to be happy either. We want to make sure that, that it's going to be a good match. Uh, tell me the ESOL acronym again. What, was, what did you use? I've English? always thought of it as English as a second language, but it's not. You're it's English for Speakers of Other Languages, and they changed that's that. That's interesting. They changed that. They changed it because there's so many immigrants that come to our country sure. that it's not English is not a second language. It's a sixth or a seventh. Right. Well, actually, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. So that's why they changed it. English for speakers of other languages is now the official term. But English as a second language is still commonly used. And in that case, again, you're talking about people who are literate, just not in the language they want to learn next, right? Absolutely. That's really interesting. Um, Again, here with uh, Laura Mlazowski, the executive director of Project Read. Um, How long have you been in the job? What led you here? Was this what you expected to be doing? Uh, No. (laughs) I thought I'd be working with the Dayton Daily News one day, believe it or not, Ron. Oh, no. You don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I really started in kind of a a weird path maybe I was mm-hmm. UD at UD graduated mm-hmm. and I decided I'd sign up for a year service through AmeriCorps oh, I was kind cool. of looking
looking for just to buy some time. I was yeah. trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about being a copy editor at Dayton Daily News or some other newspaper, something like that. I, thought I can that'd tell you who to talk to. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I thought that sounded like I think what fun. you're doing is probably more fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, don't, don't, I hope none of my friends on the copy desk heard me say that. But, but uh. Yeah, so I signed up for this year's service, mm-hmm. and um, I really got hooked. Mm-hmm. It became... You know, I started seeing so much meaning in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the program that I was working on, that was right when the Youth Literacy Tutoring Program for Project Read was just starting. Mm-hmm. Um, we were starting to recruit tutors to work with children. We had never done that before. This was 1999. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I got into it, and the program continued after I was done. They mm-hmm. said, you know, we still need somebody to run this program. Would you stick around? And mm-hmm. I said, great, I'd love to. And yeah. I got signed on as the volunteer coordinator, served in that role for a number of years. Right. And I had kids and wanted to go down to part-time, so I started being development specialist, so right. I was raising money. And right. and then uh, about a year and, year and a half ago, um, the previous director retired, and mm-hmm. I stepped into the executive director role. Cool. How do you like it? Love it. Excellent. Love it. What's the biggest challenge? I'm going to say the answer that every nonprofit director is probably going to say: money. Unfortunately, Um, uh, is development still? Do you still have a development director, or does that still fall to you? No, that's now one of my other hats that I get to wear. Well, I mean, most executive directors, that's the case. You're Mm -hmm. you're raising money a lot. What what are some of the main? You talked about Sinclair being a big sponsor. What are some of the main revenue streams into the organization? We get a lot of small grants from Mm -hmm. lots of different groups. Is Mm -hmm. really kind of the way we put it together. I I kind of. Describe it as a thousand piece puzzle sometimes. Yep. You know, you just yep. got to put all the pieces together until right. you've got what you need. But we get a lot of support from uh, corporations and foundations in town like mm-hmm. DPNL and mm-hmm. Vectrin and um, the Mateel Foundation's been generous with oh, us, the Virginia are, yeah. Kettering Foundation. Right. You know, there's a lot of, of groups in town that have been very uh, supportive of us. We do. Uh, only one big event per year. We have a concert for literacy uh, that's actually coming up June nineteenth. Oh, okay. Uh, where, love for, where, where and when? It's going to be at the Phrase. Okay. Uh, we have at the Phrase every year. This is our eleventh annual concert. And who's, who's the performer? We have a band called Jersey, which oh. is a Bruce Springsteen's tribute band. I guess I saw that on the bill, but I didn't realize it was a, a Project Read project. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, right. so we're really excited about it. It's going to be eight o'clock show. Get, tickets are only ten bucks yeah. in advance. Okay, uh, and all the proceeds benefit Project Read. So we hope people. Oh, come that's out interesting. And visit. Okay, and I didn't I didn't know that. Um because you know musical lyrics, you can read those. So there's a yes, tie in. Yeah, there yeah. is. <laughs> um we talked a minute ago about kids and 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 stuff. Do you find um in the modern digital era in which uh is is um reading or not uh, and the ability to learn affected in any way by our screened-in culture or screened-out culture. I mean, and I'm not asking that as a as a luddite. I'm I'm online and on my <laughs> phone as much as anybody. But as an older middle-aged guy, I do, I do both. You know, I've got about ten books at the house too. So right. with kids, I mean, I know my four-year-old grandson doesn't watch TV at all. He watches all of his shows, his programs on the iPad. Mm-hmm. But he also has parents who read to him a lot. So I, I can see how he's going to turn out, I think, but but maybe not. I mean, with your own kids or with the kids you work with, talk about the, the, the screen culture today and how it affects the mission that you're on. I think it relates a lot to what you were talking about. Are they also doing some reading during that time? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're using a Kindle or something like that to do your reading, more power to you. You're still reading. Mm-hmm. It, it works. I mean, my daughter uses her Kindle all the time, you know, right. because that's just how she likes to read. Right. Um, it's just a matter of are you sitting in front of a TV screen or, you know, playing a video game all day that has no 
uh, reading involved mm-hmm. with it, well, mm-hmm. you're probably not really helping out your literacy skills. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't have the research in front of me, but I know it does have an impact sure. in terms of, you know, if you're spending more than two hours a day doing, you know, computer screen time, mm-hmm. then it's going to have an impact, a negative impact on learning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they do recommend that you keep it beyond below two hours. Okay. Um, and any other events? Can we mention the Springsteen event or the phrase event? Any other events coming up in uh, in Project Read Life in the next couple months? That's probably the biggest event. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't do a lot of fundraising events. That's really our only one that we do. Yeah. Um, but other things that we have coming up, um, right now, actually, we're doing a book drive with a group called Pi Beta Phi, mm-hmm. which is um, a sorority, right. and um, they are doing a book drive. We're going to be collecting a, at least a thousand books, hopefully way more, mm-hmm. uh, in order to put books in backpacks for kids. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah, they get they have these through the food bank. They right. do these good to go backpacks. We've had Michelle Riley on to talk about those. Great. Yeah yeah. 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 So she's the director of the food bank for listeners. Yeah. yeah she's great. She's really is good. I didn't realize that they had books in there as well. That's really they don't usually, but we're trying to make a new program so that oh. on a we can add some books into the with their book or with their food that they're going to receive. They'll get a book or two also in there. So we're we're hoping the community will come out. Uh, you can actually donate a lot of books at Grismer Tire Sales okay. oh, locations. Cool. All their locations around the Miami Valley children, have any kind bins. of lightly used children. Yes, children's gen- books. Okay. newer gently used children's book. Okay. It can be anywhere K through eight. Uh, okay. This is going to be benefiting any of those grades. So if you've got right. some books in your house that aren't really getting used anymore, your kids have outgrown. Right. Bring them on out to Grismer and drop them in the box, and we'll put them to good use. My wife refuses to get rid of the old children's library <laughs> that our kids go. I mean, because the grandkids will come to visit every once in a while, although we go up there more. And um, she she uh, she's not ready to get rid of them yet. In mm-hmm. fact, she just reshelved them the other day. You know, so I'm like, oh, and she was like, where's Charlotte's Web? Did we give that to somebody? I'm like, we don't have Charlotte's Web? <laughs> we went on this mad search around the house looking for Charlotte's Web. I'm like, let's just buy another one. And she's like, no, I want the one our kids read. And I'm like, oh. I have a few of those. I mean, oh, my absolutely. kids are only seven and nine, but I still have right. books, like some of their baby books that oh, I, yeah. I can't give away. It's oh, yeah. just it's got too much memories to it. Well, absolutely. I mean, we... we uh, um, we got into a program where we, our kids um, were, were, were good readers, and we read um, a chapter of a chapter book. Uh, they called them, there's, there's picture books and, and chapter books, and, chapter, and they wanted, we read every night like a chapter of something. And we started, it was like, you know, stuff that I had either not read or reread, like The Hobbit and Treasure Island and stuff. We got into like the classics pretty, pretty quick. And that went on until like my daughter was like 11 and was old enough to tell me she wanted to do it, she, to stop, you know? Aww. Yeah, it was really, it was really cool. We did it for an awful long time. It was really kind of neat. And, um, and there were a lot of books that I rediscovered. Too, you mentioned mm-hmm. the people who want to read to their grandkids. I mean, I rediscovered a lot of literature that I even forgot I read as a kid, or, or not. So, if people want to volunteer, either as tutors, fundraising, how do they reach you? Uh, they go online. They go to www.project-read.org. Okay. There is a dash in there. All there right. is a dash in there. Right. Yep. And then uh, the other way is, of course, give us a call nine three seven four six one read. That's four six one seven three two three. That's the best way to reach us. Okay. Um, we've got opportunities to be volunteer. I was going to say, tutors. what are the main needs? I mean, financial, if people want to donate, oh, but, but also oh. to uh, re, uh, tutors, et cetera. Yes. Um, donations always accepted, but sure. really volunteers as tutors would be great. Right. We even have a 
new partnership with a bookstore down in the Centerville area called oh, Look at a Book. I know that one. That's in, oh, good. Yeah. It's in the Antiques Village mm-hmm. uh, behind Sam's Club. Yeah. They are big partners with us uh, since 19, or no, 2008. Yeah, uh, they've that's given a neat us, store. Yeah. yeah, they've given us 125,000 books. Can oh, you believe it? Goodness. For free. Wow. That we've distributed out in the community. So How many did you say? 125,000. Wow. Unbelievable. That's fabulous. So, and beyond, believe it or not, they actually want to expand their partnership now. They want to help us financially, too. So, um, they want to donate a big proceeds or a big percentage of their proceeds to us. Good. So, we're trying to provide volunteers that can help work in their store. So, sort books, put them out on the shelves, talk cool. to customers, all that good fun stuff that Excellent. you always wanted to do when you work in a bookstore, that's right? Great. That's great. Um, so, we're looking for volunteers that can help with that project, too. Perfect. That's sort of existential for them. Yeah. We're, we're out of time. I told you it went fast. It did. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we have been in the studio with Lauren Lazowski, who's the executive director of Project Read, helping people. Um, young and old, learn how to read and improve their lives. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much, Ron. Absolutely. Miami Valley Voices, we'll see you next week.